Hey, y'all. This is Monet. And Travis. We don't get a Miller? Nope, I changed it. And you're listening to another episode of the Becoming, Becoming One podcast. podcast. So, y'all, we just want to say, hey, 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 how you doing? We want to say welcome. And we want to thank the first-time listeners. If this is your first time, we want to let you know that we appreciate you for taking the time out of your day, out of your schedule to listen to this podcast at this very second. You didn't have to do that, but you did, and we appreciate you for it. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Welcome to the party. It's a vibe. It's a mood. It's all the things. Thanks for tuning back in joining these conversations and being a part of this community. So for the first timers, if you didn't know, you can find us on social media at the Miller initiative on Instagram, or you can find us individually at Monet K Miller, and you can find Travis at Travis Miller also on Instagram. And if you want to find us on Facebook, you can find us at the Miller initiative. And depending on where you're streaming, you actually might be able to send us a message to either our DMs on Instagram or if you're streaming on Anchor, you can leave us a voice message there as well. If you want to go old school, you can email us to a becoming O-N-E podcast at gmail.com. And as always, we thank you and appreciate for you subscribing, sharing, liking, commenting, engaging, and all of the things. What's happening with your eyebrows? Nothing. Nothing? Just life, you know. Uh-huh. So if you tuned in with us last week, um, we were actually talking about ways to be intentional about your sex life in marriage and how to maintain that and keep that going. But we want to kind of give you guys our experience, our side of the story, all of the things. Yeah, and just to be real with y'all, this is the second time we're recording this. We did one yesterday and we were like, uh, yeah, it for... For the brand that we're trying to build, we want it to be very authentic. So we, what we did yesterday was cool. It had a lot of information in it, yada, yada, yada. But for, for what we're doing, we really want to have a conversation with you. So hopefully you can learn or take away something from our experience and our story and what we went through, what uh, we did. And we can kind of add some of that stuff at the end there, like, like the, the scheduling and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Just some of the things to help keep y'all uh, sexually active in y'all marriage. But for for this one, we think it will be more beneficial or more true to our brand for us to talk about ourselves. Yeah. So I like to start from the beginning. Um, I guess it, <laughs> stop being weird. Um, in marriage, everybody comes into it with ideas of what it's going to be like ideas of how you're going to be as a wife or as a husband and what the dynamic is going to look like. You have this idea in your mind of what that whole experience is going to be like. And I will say for me, I, I looking back now, I wish I would have had more time to mentally prepare. And it's not that I didn't, I guess, have time. I don't think I had the community around me to be real with me about what the expectations would be as far as what I would want, um, how I would want things, even questions to ask. What was your ideas about sex before marriage? Um, Where'd they come from? I think they came from, I guess, a lot of different places. So just growing up, it wasn't a topic that was talked about at home. The conversation of the birds and the bees was my mama sitting me and my sister down and just saying, 
yeah, sex. If I can wait until marriage, y'all can wait. So don't do it. And that was pretty much the extent of the conversation. There was no conversation about pleasure or intimacy or um, even like why somebody would need birth control, what the different options were, what somebody, you know, why somebody would even be wanting to have sex. None of that was a conversation. And so it was just the thing that was brought up one time and that was it. And so moving forward from there, you know, you have movies, you have peers at school, you have things that you are exposed to through music. Um, I was just kind of putting pieces together moving forward after that. I mean, I knew what it was. I knew what sex was. But in terms of the experience and expectations, I just literally was kind of just gathering and putting things together based off of the environment I, I had been immersed in. And so then after, um, you know, giving my life to God and, and that initial experience in terms of the community, it was just kind of like the, the whole idea of purity and holiness. And, you know, nobody still is not talking about it, but there was no explanation of I'm having urges or feelings. What am I supposed to do with this? And so it was just this idea of, you're not supposed to have any type of sexual urges or acts or, you know, acting upon the urges until you're married. And so that's kind of the mindset that I had kind of navigating through my early adulthood in terms of how I should be acting. And I guess I really didn't have any solid expectations of what it would be like after marriage because nobody talked about it. I didn't really think about it. So I felt like I was kind of, for a lack of a better phrase, thrown to the wolves in terms of lack of preparation, so to speak. Did I answer your question? I guess so. That was a lot. I did it to the best of my ability. <laughs> I was like a, like a verbal vomit. Yeah. So sorry. <clears throat> anyway, uh, no, I'm giving kind of apologize for them like that. It was just like it wasn't a lot. I tried to be thorough. I mean, that's just how you typically communicate. So, yes. like, I understand. But I was just trying to figure out, like, okay, where am I supposed to jump back in here? But, uh, Get in where you fit in. Yeah, so my my image or my ideas all came from the church. Mm -hmm. So I grew up a church kid. I was shy growing up. And uh, our parents took us out of sex ed in school but didn't have any type of conversation between uh, school and home or church. The only thing that we did... Was there, I, and I don't even know what it's called. You know how they had dare and stuff? Yeah. There was another thing where you signed like this. Purity like, certificate yeah, it like a, thing. Yeah, it was a purity certificate. I have no idea what it was called. And I was looking at it like, this is this is dumb. But I mean, if if I'm going to give my word on something, you got my words. I'm going to do my best. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, we ain't make it. However, you know, I signed my name. I tried my best. Uh, I just about just about made it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, but TJ is that walking uh, evidence that we ain't make it. Anyway. It's close. Um, yeah, so that was my, my whole thing. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know, because I was, I was thinking about this today, and I was trying to figure out what this whole, like how this all wraps in together into mm -hmm. like my early, early on thoughts of marriage. And I don't know a single married couple that I had in my life growing up that I knew anything about, and I mean, of course, you're not going to walk around telling kids this stuff, right. but um, I don't know anybody that had like a healthy sexual 
relationship that they were able and willing to talk about. I don't know anybody. I don't even know any men that verbally told their wives that they loved them consistently. I feel like not the last part about what you said, but about the healthy sex life. I think that kind of stems from the mindset. It's like related to the mindset of what happens in this house stays in this house. Like we don't talk about intimate moments and it's right. not always sexual. We just, we don't talk about intimate moments. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that people kind of just keep to themselves. Um, especially with just the way the world was, it, it's not like, it's not like it was. The, um, we're confused about why things were the way they were. It's like that's just the way the world was. That was the social environment. People kept to themselves. What was in the house stayed in the house. Yada 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 yada. Well, it's a different world now, and people are more aware of. Oh, wait a minute. This isn't. This isn't weird to to want this or have this desire of my partner. This isn't, you know, weird. Yada yada yada. Uh, and you, it also allows you to know when you're being abused. So. Uh, it's a different world. We're able to talk about these things more. And I, I believe that it's needed simply because uh, I think that there's more people that were like me out there. They're growing up in church or wherever, and they have no clue what they're getting into. They don't know. They know what sex is. They know like like the basic how you have sex, but they don't really know like the, the pleasures. They don't know how to. You know what I'm saying? Like semen retention, none of that type of stuff. It's it's interesting because as we're talking more, I, I'm thinking to myself, I don't think this was at the forefront of my mind, but just this idea of sex after marriage is it was my mind like focusing on I need to make sure I'm pleasing my husband. There was never any thought, literally, I, I never recall having a thought of my own pleasure or me enjoying the experience or anything like that. But again, this was never a topic of conversation about my body parts and what they do and how this feels and all of that. There was never that type of conversation. But in the world of, you know, sex and over and hypersexualization of all these different things in the media and stuff, there was always the emphasis on the man receiving pleasure. All I knew was uh, I had been waiting. So I had to build up. And I was ready to let it go. That's all I knew. So we were in two completely different worlds. It, I mean, <laughs> worlds, planets, galaxies. It was just, and it wasn't that. It, so here's the thing, too. You go on on my end. You go from wait until marriage. You know, um, you need to be modest. All this other stuff. To okay, now you're married. Go ahead and do the thing. And. I don't know who out there might have been expecting you to just easily make that transition mentally, but to go from this person's not supposed to see me naked to, oh, him seeing me naked is cool. Like, I'm not even fully comfortable in my own body at this point. I'm used to, you know, people telling me to pull my shirt up a little bit or pull my shirt down a little bit. Like, I, covering up became this is what I'm supposed to do. So I, I don't think I ever got that to that point prior to marriage of being fully comfortable in my skin, in my body, in my sensuality, in my sexuality. And so to then be married and now suddenly everything is supposed to just be on and popping, it was weird for me. Yeah, and I've, I've we've talked about this before, like how there's the whole purity thing and then you, you got to be a freak as soon as you put the ring on. But it has to be like some type of switch there. And I think we just need to start explaining that different like exactly what purity is versus, you know, a healthy sexual relationship and then a healthy understanding. Because when we got married, 
uh, I could tell like there was we had to cultivate a environment of safety here, safety and trust, and that's just something that it was like another layer mm-hmm. of the relationship that we didn't even attempt to uh, build at that point. Uh, we were trying not to have sex. We were trying to to stay away from it, just based off of how we were raised and our thoughts about it. So uh, I was I was a virgin until I met you. She she deflowered you. She did it anyway. I was a virgin until I met you, and uh, just the whole thought about us cultivating that environment of safety. I'm like for me because. Uh, I thought you were like a popular person growing up. Like you had friends, people knew you, blah, 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 blah. I had friends. I was known. I See, was not popular. To me, that's popular. Because for me, I I was, I was grew up, I was a shy kid. I was in, I was like the Bible study guy. You know what I'm saying? You need a scripture, you need some prayer. Travis got you. But he ain't going to be, you know what I'm saying? He ain't your friend or nothing like that. I wasn't, I wasn't cool. I was just that guy. I was there to go to school. All day growing up, we went to school, we went to church, and we worked at home or we worked somewhere else. That's what I. That's my whole upbringing. You ain't care nothing about sports. You ain't care nothing about no extra nothing. You go to school, you go to church, and you work. That's that's it. So I'm thinking, well, she's already popular. She's probably already comfortable. Yada yada yada. I had just got comfortable in college. I was like, I was working out all the time. I found who I was. So I'm I'm jumping in. I'm thinking of our our honeymoon night. Um, like I'm, I felt comfort, comfortable and confident, but I was looking at you and it seemed like there was like this, like hesitation or like, uh, uh, underlying hesitation. So without being all extra and going into this long tangent, that was the first time for the most part, he saw me like fully naked. Number one. Yeah. Number two, I was pregnant. So. It was awkward for me because, you know, and I'll give you the short version because I don't want to digress. Growing up, I was told that if I can look down and I see my stomach, then that means I'm fat. And I had never, to my own memory, recalled having a flat stomach. So there in of itself, I had body issues from that. So not having the body that I wanted and also being pregnant. So now somebody's looking at this body that I'm not comfortable with, which is like, okay, I know I have to let him see me. But I don't, I feel like this is not in the tip-top shape that I want to be presenting this, if you will. I ain't seen your stomach before. But it was, it's <laughs> the full saying? picture, though. It's not the same. I ain't seen your stomach, half your cheeks. You had this uh, two-piece bathing suit. I remember right there. All right, Monet, you're going to have to. It wasn't a two-piece. Get... It was a monokini, and the sides was cut out, and the back was Whatever out. It, it was, was real cute. It had a little two-piece. flamingo your on it. Your cheeks was out. Your stomach was out. Your bitties was bittying. You know what I'm saying? You was out here. <laughs> I remember I had to tell you to get another one before you came over to my parents. I was like, all right, don't, don't come over here with all that. Which is just so funny because I guess you really thought I just, just only had one swimsuit and I was just out here just going to come up to that's your parents' house half naked. That's the only one I saw. That's the only one well, I saw. Of course that's the only one so, you saw. So, yeah, yeah, you had to go get it. Go, go on ahead and get that other one she got in the corner. Well, stirred on are. it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but anyway, so we get into the relationship. And I, like I said, I didn't understand none of this stuff at the time. I'm just thinking, like, well, sex is sex. You're supposed to explore, have fun, enjoy. And as the man, of course, you know, we're going to have fun. It's, that's easy for us. You know what I'm saying? You know, you get in, you, you know what I'm saying? You you have fun. So that's that's like a, a, a easy task for the man. 
Um, but it was always this underlying, and I didn't know what it was, and we didn't have the communication skills at the time to be able to talk about it um, or know how to have that conversation. So I, I saw it, but I didn't know what it was. And that I just said to myself, well, if it was actually something uh, that she would tell me, but it may, because maybe I'm just seeing stuff. But it that thing kind of persisted all the way up until kind of right before we moved um, to Charlotte. Yeah. So, again, I was pregnant when we got married, and then I had TJ. And so after that, there's just this whole slew of body uncomfortability. It's already hard enough to be able to be comfortable in your own skin and your body. And then you get pregnant and you're newly married and um, then you have a baby. So now there's like, oh, well, am I going to go back to the body that I had? I already wasn't comfortable with that, but now I'm really not comfortable with this. So it took a long time. I had gained weight after TJ. And then when I finally started to kind of get my health back together, um, I lost weight. So now I'm, you know, I'm feeling myself at this point. This was right before we got pregnant with Atara. I started, I lost weight. I was feeling myself. Um, and I think because I started to be more comfortable with my body, it allowed me to be comfortable with my body in my skin around him more. I didn't feel as if I had to kind of like hide or shy away. And so I think that just made the intimacy a little bit better. Well, we can. We were going to talk about intimacy later on in the month. So we can, we'll get oh, to that. I, I mean, I can say the sex then. I was just that's what I was talking about. Any, uh, what do you remember about like the, our sex life before Charlotte? To be frank, I don't remember much. That's um, what I'm saying. It I'm got like, really nice once we moved. I will say that. Like I don't. It was. I feel like before we moved to Charlotte, it was like up and down, on and off. We were first of all. Y'all already know, if you've been listening for a while, you know we started off our relationship on opposite schedules. When we got back, Monet was like second shift. I was That's first. Ridiculous. Um, we were straight out of, we were in college. I was in college at first, and then we were both right out of college, uh, working in two different cities, living in another with a baby, and trying to figure all, all this stuff out. I feel like we were kind of like all over the place so for a while. We were. And if anything, I, I used to always jokingly tell people like I'm the most unstable, stable person I know in terms of jobs because I would change either positions or departments pretty frequently. And so during the course of our marriage, I went from working um, like, I don't know, seven to three or seven to four or whatever the schedule was. And from there, I went to go work from like. And you were on call at one point. I was on call. Yep, You, you had on-call shift at one point. Um, and then I remember you're on second shift because you had to be at work at like 3 or something like that. Well, first, or before two. that, I had to be at work at 5.30 in the morning. And then I would get back. Um, but then I did move to second shift and I had to be at work at 1 because I remember when as soon as you walked in the door, I had to leave to go to work. And I was leaving the house at 3 a.m. to yep. be in Grand Rapids by 4 to be back to Kalamazoo by 12. And then at one point, no, one o'clock. And one then at yeah, so from the seven to four, that was one department. And then when I worked from five thirty to whatever time, that was a different department, a different position. Then when I worked second shift, that was the same position, just a different shift. And then in the midst of all of this, I took a different position in a different department, doing probation. And that was like I think everybody had to work like eight to five or something like that. So 
And I remember some days I was working, like they was working us in Grand Rapids. They was working us. And I remember just getting off, like going, getting in at 4 a.m. Now it's midnight, right? The mm-hmm. same day, now it's midnight. And I'm like, okay, if I drive out to Kalamazoo, I'm going to have to be back here in <laughs> three, you know, I get two hours of sleep and get back on the road. So it didn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. So I stayed in Grand Rapids and then was back to work at 4 so we was all over the place. So, so you can imagine, like, sex wasn't like... Spur- it was sporadic is what it was. and It, it was, was not memorable. And it has nothing to do with him. I just think the season of life that we were in just... Like, I can remember some things since we moved here. Okay, I remember some of those things, but... um, I, I don't really remember it. I, I know it was sporadic. <laughs> I know that there was, like, instances of, like, Monet uh, coming out of her shell... Uh, as far as being like willing to, uh, uh, what is the, what's the word for it? Like explore, not explore, but like the first one initiate. Oh, being willing to initiate. Oh, uh, but that's about it. It was, it was really sporadic. We was just trying to keep our head above water. We was, it was a lot going we was on right here with it. Just trying to get some, get some air with them, with them bills and life. And then, you know, TJ was in daycare. And so, and then at some point, Travis took a position to go work in Florida. So then, you know, life was moving really fast. We got, well, when I, this is after I lost all the weight and was looking good. And me and TJ went to go visit Travis while he was in Florida before he came up for Christmas. And that's when I got pregnant with Atara when we was in, in Florida. Um, so then it was just a lot going on. And so, I think after you came back from that time you were working for FEMA, um, I feel like after that, things started to kind of shift a little bit more. Yeah, so like the first two and a half years was like, mm-hmm. uh, was it, I say it's about two and a half years. The first yeah. two and a half years was up and down. Uh, so if if you're in that place in your life, we had, we had a question from uh, somebody about how do you find time for sex in your relationship when you're just busy. Mm-hmm. Now that was the busiest time of our relationship was that first two and a half years where we're just trying to get our feet planted. We getting attacked by student loans. It's not really attacked, you know what I'm saying? Cause it's part of life, but we balance student loans, daycare. rent, daycare, mortgage, each other, uh, getting the budget on. Y'all heard our conversation about budget. If y'all didn't go back and listen to it, we talked about how we had to get on the same page in our budget. So uh, uh, Monet fighting against the budget. And we battling <laughs> back and forth. You know what I'm saying? And with the, the deficit that had to be made, had to be made up elsewhere. And so it was just a lot of uh, just not meshing. We weren't one at that time. We was just two people <laughs> trying to make things work. So, and we talk um, about being on the same page a lot, but those those first two and a half years, we we were not. And that's why that's one of the reasons why we talk about it. But if you're in that place, just know that it can get better. Like everything can turn around. If you're in that place in your life and you're like, man, the sex is sporadic, life is busy. We're kind of like passion sh- ships in the night at the watch. I had to watch watch my uh, S's right there. Ships we were, passing in the night. Yeah, we were passing ships in the night. <laughs> passing ships. In the ships. Night. <laughs> <laughs> we were passing ships in the night. Well, like anyway, we were gas. just we were just going by. We were just living, um, just trying to make things work. So if you're in that place, just know that things can get better. Uh, things can turn around, and the relationship that you want is on the other side of your decisions. So. Whatever you decide 
your relationship will be, it will be. And you can do it. And if you need help, hit us up. We do life coaching. We're uh, relationship coaches. And we will be more than glad to help you get on the right track. Um, again, this is not counseling. This is coaching. Anyway, back to what we're talking about. What we, what I really, we already kind of 24 minutes in, but it's whatever. Hopefully y'all still here. Um, what we really want to talk about is here though. Cause mm-hmm. after we got here, we're on the same page. We're learning more about creating a, mm. a environment of safety for each other because it's both men and women need to feel safe as we have different uh, backgrounds and ideas. So we started to create this environment of safety. We were, uh, talking more about what we wanted, what feels good, what we expected, what we wanted to do, yada, 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 yada. And I'll at least, I can attest to my experience um, moving. I don't think it had anything to do with the physical act of moving here. I just think the course of events um, leading up to us moving and then us physically being here, everything that transpired, if you will, I think that contributed a lot to just me in terms of the way that I saw myself, um, what I believed was possible for me to do, to say, to want. Um, I got more in tune with who I was and, and instead of, you know, doing things that just was expected of me or that people expected me to be. And I think moving here, I finally got opportunities to say yes to being true to myself. And I think with that came a lot of changes in the way we communicated or things that I communicated to him. And as a result, I just think over time, communication just got better and better and better. Because in my opinion, I felt like Travis was like, this is the Monet that I have been waiting to see. Like, I knew you were in there, but this this is who I've been waiting for in terms of, all right, let's move, let's go, let's do, let's talk, let's you know plan, let's whatever, whatever. And as that got better, obviously when communication is good, usually sex is good. Yeah, and it took me a while to get to that point because I was because for me, I'm thinking to myself like, "Yo, I ain't, I ain't had no experience before you." It's not like you was like this. <laughs> I was not out here you busting it open, thought. You know I, I was not. You didn't have a whole a bunch I didn't of have a resume, either, but you had more than me, and you had more relationships than I've had. So you've had more in my mind. You had more, way more experience than what I had. And so I'm walking in it like, okay, this is what what I feel like it should be work, how it should be working. What is, what is going on? Like, why aren't you as, as confident? And then, and this was probably the man like privilege, but I was, I felt as though I was confident walking into it. So now thinking back on it, maybe I didn't even have the right to be as confident. I was, but to be, <laughs> I probably didn't have the right to be as confident as I was. To be frank. I mean, it doesn't matter now because we're here. But part of why I probably was not as confident is because prior to you, I had experiences, but as I said, I was not out there, you know, just busting it wide open. But with those experiences came that whole idea of shame and guilt because, oh, you know, I'm out here doing stuff and because, you know, I'm in the church, I'm like, I'm not supposed to be doing these things. And so now there's this feeling of just looming over me and I'm like, well, I've, I'm, I almost felt as if I was like a tarnished or like a stained or whatever the words you want to use. And so coming into this relationship, knowing you ain't been with nobody, it's like, I didn't, I didn't had other people see me and he just out here all like, it's just, it's only you. It's just you. Okay. 
Um, so for me coming into it, the, I, it wasn't as if I was able to really gleam or take a lot from those other encounters or experiences because in the moments I'm still like, I'm not even supposed to be doing this. So I don't even want to remember it, let alone be taking notes and like, Oh yeah, I can do this. That, that's so, not how it was for me. So what do you think kind of brought us to where we are now? And then what do you think about where we are now? I think we are in a great spot. I feel like the place we're in right now is full of open-mindedness and growth and exploration and just really being comfortable allowing ourselves, each other, to be who we are and take up space as we are. Um, and I think a lot of that just came from, one, us working together, but two, us really being intentional about sitting down and talking about the things that we want. And it's not always, this is what I want in sex, but it's just like, you know what? I really like this. What, what, how, how, can, can we even make this happen? What do we need to do to make this happen? Or, you know what? I wasn't really feeling that and being honest about it and being okay with talking about the hard stuff. Like for me, being able to talk about hard stuff makes it easier for me to bring up something that I might not necessarily be fully comfortable about, but we just got done talking about something really hard. So I can at least, you know, say, hey, I seen this thing on this website. What you think about this? So for for the people listening, I'm going to need you to kind of be more direct and simple. So like, it, like say what you're saying. So th I'm not saying what I'm saying. No, not really. So let me see. Um, trying to tell I'm a business. So example, this is a perfect example. Um, I like candles that when the wax burns and melts or when the wick burns and the wax melts, it is used as um, like body oil. Um, or massage oil, rather. I like those candles. So using it gets those, you like a little when you, yeah. when you pour that. So using them now is not a big deal, but maybe like four or five <laughs> years ago, just even asking Travis about his thoughts um, surrounding going into the stores that sell those items, or maybe buying another item out of the store, it was more like, nah, I don't need none of that. I don't want none of that. But now we've had conversations where I'm literally bearing my soul and you know showing my heart and. I'm having these rough feelings about, you know, how I believe, you know, I am or what I can and can't do. So we're really getting into these emotional places and spaces. I've already had a difficult conversation with you. So having an uncomfortable one definitely isn't as bad. But we've had multiple conversations where I've had the opportunity to be transparent and open about a place that's vulnerable. So I can be uncomfortable because I've been vulnerable already, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, if you, I don't think, if you weren't able to follow what she's saying, she's talking about creating like a safe space or feeling safe. So she's saying that when you are able to have these conversations that are hard or uncomfortable for you to have, and it, you can take your partner to a place inside of your feelings, your emotions, your heart, and your thinking, if, if you can feel safe doing that, then it made her more comfortable feeling. It made her feel more comfortable in the bedroom, right? Yes, because in those difficult conversations, the way that you handled my heart in those moments made it easier for me to say, okay, I know that he's going to handle my heart well. And if, even if he doesn't, I know that his heart towards me is good. So if he mishandles it for whatever reason, I know that that's not his intention. So it's if if you can't handle no outside of the bedroom, then you can't handle no inside of the bedroom. 
So it's it's a matter of listening, paying attention, and respecting the person that's with you. It's facts. So in a nutshell, that's what she was, was saying. Right. Kinda. I don't know why you said handle no, but handle no. You said handle. Oh, because no. you know, because some people people they try to get uh they try to get some extra in there and they want to sneak something in. You know what I'm saying? Like they not they haven't talked about it beforehand. They haven't. Um, said that they want to try a new move in, during sex. They haven't said anything about it. They just kind of do it. And if the person doesn't like it, uh, and they they feel as though that you won't listen to them while you're oh, in the act. Oh, okay, okay. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it makes them not open up as much because it's like, well, if we try it, if we try something new and I don't like it, but you do like it, but I don't want to do it anymore. I feel like I'll be violated mm-hmm. because you won't listen to me. Yeah. So, and if you're not listening to me outside of the bedroom, if you're not listening to me anywhere else, why would you listen to me here? Mm-hmm. So that attacks that environment of safety that we talked about. Yeah. So when you're having these difficult conversations, when you're talking to each other about the hard stuff, whether that's money, your feelings, or how you work, what you work, feelings of disappointment, depression, whatever, how you handle your partner in those times is going to, uh, uh, spill over into the rest of your life and that includes the bedroom and we always say well, I don't know about always but we say if you see problems in the bedroom it's an indication or like a like the light that comes on in the car that some of y'all need to pay attention check to that maintenance light. that maintenance light or that check engine light that's that's that light in your relationship so if you're seeing a, a lack of sex if you're seeing uh, like the same or What's what's the word? I guess you would say boring, boring sex, sex or like just the checkbox. All right, yeah. Got it done. Or or on. while you're in sex, you don't really feel comfortable saying anything. If you're seeing some of these things show up in your sexual relationship, it's like a, a check engine light for or a check relationship light rather for your relationship. It's saying that there's something wrong that y'all need to pay attention to. There's something. There's an issue in this environment of safety that we have. And I know we got to wrap up, but I do want to also say this. We've been talking about the woman a lot, but I I do want to point out that the same applies for the man in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, If men don't feel like they have a comfortable space to share whatever it is, or they don't feel like you're you're actually listening or that you're actually there and they need you, um, it's going to be a ripple effect in your, your sex life as well. So, a lot of women will, you know, talk about how they'll complain about what's happening in the bedroom, but they're not actually communicate or creating an environment in which a man can communicate what he might actually need. So now that the woman is just saying, oh, the sex is bad. No, there's a breakdown somewhere in the communication. He may have a need that he's not communicating, might be something on his mind, whatever the case might be. So if he is coming and trying to have conversations with you, if he is coming and trying to share his feelings. You need to be mindful and actually create an environment where you can be that safe space so that he feels like, oh, you know what? I was able to open up with her and share about this. Let me open up and say, hey, you know what? It seems like we might have different sex, you know, sex, sexual urges or drives right now. Can we kind of talk about this? Because I'm, I'm, I actually would like to spend more sexual time with you. And it seems like we're on different schedules. Being able to have that conversation, that foundation of comfortability and safety would have had to have been laid way beforehand so just talking being there being present mentally and emotionally available um all of that matters and it's all relevant and it's not just what the woman needs but it's what the man needs as well 
Yep. I agree. And most of the time, what y'all will hear is, uh, I want to have sex more. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how he'll communicate. Um, but that might just be the only way he knows how to communicate. And if you're in a relationship with somebody, and that's just all they say. Uh, you know, If you're willing to have sex more, then have sex more. But also, on the side of that, try to figure out like, what he's really looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he might not even know himself. Yeah. So, and that might just be more sex. I'm gonna be honest with you. That might just be more sex. Maybe he wants some head. Maybe he want to try new positions. Maybe he want to try some toys. You know what I'm saying? They got a couple clamps and uh, some rings that he clamps? can put on. Oh, uh, people got people got some stuff, boy. I was watching the thing today where this lady was. Uh, she had like this uh, tail or oh, whatever. But it was a but, plug. Yeah, it was a plug, and I was like, man, what's she doing with that? And uh, what the thing was, it wasn't for her. It was for him. You know what I'm saying? People into different things, different strokes for different folks. So, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's 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 different out here. Whatever y'all, whatever y'all want to do, whatever y'all try to do in your marriage, it should be the freest and the 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 most opportunistic time for you to bring this stuff up. Yeah. Because yo, you're gonna see this person again today, tomorrow, the next day, yada yada. So just be you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to take take the mask off. You're not at work. Turn the lights on. You're not in uh, performance. Just let yourself be out there, be be available and open to this person. Mm-hmm. This is what I want. This is yada, 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 yada. And, sh- and allow them, him or her, to tell you what they are willing and not willing to do. You might not get everything that you necessarily want. That's facts. And, and you know, I, I don't want to keep, you know, but... Um, I think this is one of those situations where if somebody else chimes in and says what they want to, I think that's actually a good thing and a good way to start an actual conversation for both people. Because usually people are like, well, you know, I would really like this. And if somebody says, yeah, well, you know, I want such and such too. Great. Now we're both talking about what we want. Let's figure out how we can actually make this happen. And if it starts off as an argument, you know, it's cool. The way I look at the way this is my personal view of stuff is, if, if it's an argument or a conversation, y'all are talking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, that's still good. Yeah. The the thing is, is do y'all know how to argue properly? And are you still talking? So if you're yeah. arguing, it's I don't want you to argue. But if, if that's the way, the only way you can communicate at this point, at least you're talking. It's bad. Things are bad when you stop. When you're not talking, you're mm-hmm. not willing to argue. Not, you're not willing to talk. Now you in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now it's going to be tough to turn around. But if it starts off as an argument, let it be what it's going to be. And one of y'all just got to be level-headed enough to bring it back to what's best for both of y'all. Yeah, that's One facts. of y'all. So uh, there's a lot more that could be said. Absolutely. I guess we can go ahead and stop here at 40. So I just want to say thank you, okay? Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for streaming. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. I had a good time. Travis had a good time. Yeah, it was good. And so we appreciate you. So we just want to let y'all know once again, this is Monet. And Travis Miller. And you just listened to another episode of the Becoming Becoming One Podcast. Podcast. All right, right, y'all. Be easy. easy. (laughs) Peace.